Greetings, nerds. Seen a nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Billions is back, and we had yeah. a full Arrowverse lineup to talk about tonight. Dare I say it's normal again? It is normal again. I'll, I, let me just say, I, I know I've, I tweeted this to you, but uh, I just wanted to say it. On the, on the show here, congratulations for, for turning in your capstone and finishing your MPA. Congratulations. Uh, I know you're not going to get, you're not, I'm not going to hear more from you from, about that, but I just wanted to let folks know, hey, proud of you. That's so awesome. I know you've been working really hard on it. Yep. 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 And now for the awkward segue back to what I wanted <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> I really have no segue from that. That's okay. I love doing that to you sometimes, just like throwing you. So you got your little plan and then just, you know, keep you on your toes. <laughs> so in other news, uh, there's a new Star Wars movie in the works from Taika Waititi. You also put his name in the rundown and I'm never going to get it right. This news uh, is very exciting in the sense that I, I think one of my favorite episodes of the Mandalorian was the one directed by him. And, uh, and of course, Thor Ragnarok, and I still haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, but obviously he won a uh, Oscar for for the screenplay for that movie. So, you know, if it's we when we need some good news in the Star Wars universe, they will deliver, and hopefully, he won't get moved on as as a director or co writer like so many other people have in the past. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, didn't Josh Trank just get like released from his obligations or is that old news? Um, I think, I think that's pretty recent news. Huh. Uh, at least it's news yeah. to me. Cause I, I had, I had not heard that. So. Yeah. I just saw an SEN um, okay. clip about it and I'm not surprised that that director has a horrible track record. I mean, he made one or two good movies, and then everybody wanted him for franchises, and he's never he's never stuck. And then he did Fantastic Four, or partly did Fantastic yeah. Four, and he yeah. didn't want to listen to. So right, right. I, I'm not surprised, and kind of good riddance. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I think there's certain directors who can do both their own work and franchise film. Like, yeah, but I also think that there are those who have such a unique vision. You, they, they should only do original screenplays that they probably write. Um, so we'll see. And finally, Tom Cruise is filming a movie in space. Yeah, and it's not a Mission Impossible film. When I first saw this news, I was like, oh, they're probably going to try to figure out a way to. Uh, get Ethan Hunt into space, but apparently it's uh, ended. Pigeonholed him. I didn't think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, or John Wick, or you know. Well, I, I just figured, you know, with Mission Impossible with those films, they're always, you know, since he has insist on doing his own stunts and everything. I, I what that was my one of my first thoughts as far as like, I know it's pigeonholing, but I mean, but he does. He likes to do his own stunts, and what way they could like do a like teaser for for an MI film uh as far as the open saga cell to like you know have have 
Ethan in space, but I guess it's going to be an independent film, and NASA confirmed it, so it is going to happen. I think Elon Musk is going to be possibly utilizing some of his spacecraft to, to, to send Tom to to the ISS. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about it, but <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. Oh, was John, was Tom Cruise and John Wick? Not John Wick. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about that's. I'm, not, I'm sorry, not my bad. Jack Jack Reacher. No worries, no worries. They they all blend together. Yeah. <laughs> all blend together. I you mean, know, mid fifties action stars. I, I yeah. They they reach a certain age and then suddenly any man can do anything on screen. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of a a midlife crisis thing. I'm yeah. led to believe, I'm but. Bad. But no, that that's interesting. I hopefully it goes well. I I don't think COVID is in space, so yeah. so would be protected. Protect Tom Cruise at all costs, apparently. But I don't know. Anyways, that's a little bit of news we have tonight, and we're gonna jump straight in because we do have three Arrowverse shows to talk about. Yeah. And to start it off, let's talk about Batwoman. Damn that opening sequence. Yeah, you know, it was amazing energy that opening sequence whenever she was busting the trafficking ring. I mean that this week's episode it was directed by James Bamford from Arrow and you know it, it brought that arrow energy as far as the fights and choreography. That was just that's the that's that's the Batwoman we need to see <laughs> as far as the fighting. Yeah. No, I I would actually argue that um I don't think that that sequence is glorious because it brought arrow energy. I think that out of out of all the Bamford directed shows, this is my favorite episode that he's ever directed. Mm. Because to me, that opening sequence that wasn't arrow related, I've never seen him do those kind of moves. It felt like a bat. The camera felt as if it was flying around. And it was so smooth. I remember, for, like the earlier episodes he directed, everything felt very choppy. There were a lot of long takes. I got bored with the action. This no, 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 no. This was really executed well, and it fit the character, and it, and it was really beautiful. So, I, I am so glad he he directed this episode, and I really do think that he has a really good understanding of that character and how the how to move the camera right in a way that replicates her and her ability uh, yeah yeah i, I agree I, I mean and i guess and i guess that's what i meant by by energy and and i think you articulated it a lot better than i did uh, as far as the camera movements and and really, like you said, moving like a bat and understanding where how 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 to properly film, basically, like you said, using the bat and how to film the fighting sequences for this character. Who, when you think about it, I mean, you know, Kate was trained, mm-hmm. so she's not coming into the superhero business green as far as being trained in martial arts and those kind of things versus some other heroes. So yeah, I think you're right. It really did get a better understanding of how, how Batwoman should 
react in a in a sequence fighting sequence uh when taking out the bad guys which i think other directors of the show have not been able to be able to show that this is the last episode of the season right oh uh, they have two left oh they have two left yeah 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 so they're gonna praise them because i thought this was an excellent way to end the season i yeah i i, I agree I, at first it, it felt like a finale the way, the way that the way the, the episode ended uh but it now they had they their finale is may 17th okay okay yeah i i, I really did i thought that um this changes my whole perspective on this episode <laughs> <laughs> but it sets sets up the for yeah go ahead oh no 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 what what does it set us up for? I think it originally I thought it was the finale as well, and it, I didn't realize it until actually today that when I was putting together notes for tonight that they still had two episodes left. Um, and it, it does put a new perspective, given. The, but I think whereas I was really worried that I was like, "Dang, I gotta wait until like who knows when for some resolution on the way this episode ended." I, I now feel like, okay, we'll get some, it sets the stage up to, for the penultimate next week and, and hopefully the finale, even though I know they actually ended up having to cut, they were going to do 22, so they're going back to 20. It, hopefully it will give us some you know, lead into to, to Tommy as, as Hush. I mean, we saw a little tease in the... Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And, and so, I don't, you know, I don't think we probably will get the code broken from from Lucius, but um, but I do think it will. We'll, we'll get some resolutions to some of the threads that they they carried forward from, really carried well forward well in this episode from earlier this season, bringing all those characters back like El- Thomas Elliot and, and Reagan and others. Uh, we'll we'll get some some resolution to some of those things, uh, and then and then it'll be a good springboard to, to season two theoretically i mean Hopefully. it's hard for me because now that i realize it's not the finale i thought that they gave just enough they brought back the characters who they're planning on moving forward with reagan you know when she popped up at the beginning of this episode i did have a moment where i thought to myself you know it is weird that these two keep running into each other i mean what is happening there and and so and then i liked at the end I was still not thinking about it. And then they did the twist. And I like how that we find out that Reagan is Magpie's sister. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, so that parallels allows for a very interesting dynamic between the two sisters, mm-hmm. um, the two sets of sisters we already have going on right. and, and everything. So, so I, I appreciated all of that. Um, everything to do with the book, which it feels as if it's such a MacGuffin. But what I realized in watching this episode is early on, you and I were very worried about Alice mm-hmm. from the perspective of, we know she's a big bad. She's this long lost sister. She has all this history. How do they make that character stay relevant, mm-hmm. but not, not allow it to get stale? And this episode continues to prove that these writers just understand how to manipulate the situation so both sisters, even though one is locked up in Arkham, 
are after the same thing. Yep. And and it really is smart of them because you can place Alice in situations where it's not that she's the bad guy of the episode every week. She is just another player on the chessboard. Yeah. Another threat that's looming. I think that Arrow tried to do that with Malcolm Merlin. Failed, in my opinion. <laughs> Nothing against John Barrowman and his acting. None of that. I just never really... The character was always creepy. No <laughs> <laughs> said. And I think yeah. The Flash, it has a tendency where the big bad, every single episode is the bad guy. Right. You know? It, they, they did it really well in season one with Harrison Wells, but they have not failed to recapture that with any of the other season long bad guys. Uh, but Batman in its freshman se- or Batwoman in its freshman season has come out and really showcased their ability to do that with Alice. They have. I completely, completely agree with you. And what I really like about it, as we said, as far as moving the, the chess pieces on the board, she she really, in a lot of regards, stays one step ahead of Kate mm-hmm. when she when she is doing all these manipulations because to to be able to use Thomas Elliot and and his group uh, to capture capture Kate and then um also, and I love the line where it's like you know if you can't trust your your money launderer, who can you trust? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and so all, and then of course, you know, releasing Magpipe and, and using Reagan, you know, using that relationship that was set up between Kate and Reagan early on in the, in the, in the series as being an advanced scout for the, for, for what ultimately is to, to get to, to, to Lucius's book. You know, all the, I mean, it's, she's just very masterful at, at, at playing these things. And, and, and since she knows Kate so well, she can manipulate those, those easy points and those points in Kate where, you know, she does you know, fall hard, fast for, uh, Reagan and puts herself in, in very compromising situations that she can take it, that Alice can then take advantage of. And so, yeah, it it really it really is. I have to give, like you said, kudos to the to the to the writers of the series and, and how to to shape a, a big bad that doesn't become stale and mm-hmm. and repetitive in, in their in their in their motivations and and their execution. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's still a threat. She's still someone, and and it's not as if we're. It's weird. It's a very interesting thing where uh, the more I see of her, the more I I enjoy watching her story just as much, if not more, as Kate's story Mm -hmm. and how they interact and interweave. And I think it's really done well. Um, Speaking about stories, uh, let's talk about Julia. Because in this episode, she's another character who who kind of has wedged her way into the season. And and over time, we've gotten used to her. I mean, it's not like on The Flash where 
once you enter Star Labs, you're an automatic team Flash member. Right. Okay, you got to earn your way, right, Mary? We'll get to Mary in a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but she and and I was and I was kind of wondering what they were going to do with her after last week's episode because of this whole she was working with Sophie on on trying to figure out the um, the rat in the crows. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a weird oxymoron, probably. <laughs> <laughs> So, but that got resolution. They figured yeah. that out. So, what was next? And right. now we realize that she is also after the book. She yep. is also no longer an agent of the government agency that we thought she was. Right. She is an undercover agent, and we don't know why. And she kind of is wedging her way also into a love triangle with Sophie and Kate. She is. And yeah, I mean, I, I really like that, you know, guess, especially given that it's Alfred's niece and, you know, and is mm-hmm. someone who's part of the Bat family. So it, it, it is this kind of in, this implicit trust that she has with, with everyone. And then we learn, like you said, we learn out that she's no longer part of the, the secret special service. And yeah. so, and so, wow, what, what are her motivations here? What is she really after? And, beyond the book and who you know, who whose side is she really on or you know, so again it was just this, this show has grown so much over the course of the first season uh i that and, and really as we talked about before really does a good job of utilizing their their supporting characters and 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 fleshing them out well for uh well for for being this, this freshman season yeah yeah I mean, Mary may have known for weeks about who Kate was and finally last week confronted her, but that doesn't mean she automatically gets initiated into the Batcave. Nope. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Kate still <laughs> sees her as just like flighty social media, you know, godfly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Mary's also the one who goes into the Batcave and e- immediately thinks to herself, I'm going to take a selfie and some video. <laughs> <laughs> lady <laughs> no no <laughs> but um yeah i think we, we we're we're repeating so much but it's just because this this show is so concise we have to be concise and it's almost like we have to repeat it um hit the, on the hammer i i really like what you said about thomas elliott because i again not a comic book reader don't under don't fully know the lore behind everything so i did not know that that's what they were getting at with his character and i feel good about it i do have one issue with the actor and it's strange but then again i'm a very odd viewer of tv he played a character on the show revenge (laughs) (laughs) and I'm I'm still battling this issue of seeing him as Thomas Elliot versus that other character. And uh, that other character was a good guy. Okay. So it it's just is every time I see him, I'm just like, "What's up, Noel? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you being like this?" <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, well, I'm not familiar with this other character, but I I, I really I, I love you know speaking of 
characters and you know you're thinking about mary and her her lack of keeping secrets i mean this the one thing that these folks are or worse than team flash at it is keeping the secret yeah. of like who's you know who's batman and batwoman <laughs> i mean between luke like no you know and and revealing who bruce wayne is alice and yeah. mouse reveal and, and thomas you know with the revealing bruce's batman i mean I was like, well, hell, who who in the city? If you don't know who these two people are behind the mask, then you're not trying hard <laughs> or something. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I did like the way that they set the hush because I mean, the hush is more it, it is more of a Batman uh, villain, but they they are integrating the character into into this story so well. And if they ever at this point, if they ever do introduce Batman into the Arrowverse. Well, they have introduced him in Crisis, but it, on this show, then, you know, it'll be, given that Bruce has been gone for five years, I, 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 that would be, that would be a very interesting story arc, especially given a version of Bruce that, that may, may show up that we saw in, in Crisis on Infinite Earths as a very broken Bruce Wayne and who did kill, who did indeed kill the Joker and was keeping, you know, he, that one, that, that, was keeping trophies and so um so you know given all that context what we saw crisis and then learning what we've learned at this show if they ever did introduce bruce to to this to the series uh as as far as actually showing up after being gone that would be uh i don't know if it should be a season long arc but i would love for that to be a mini arc and just sort of explore that and how kate you know through all her journals that she's kept over the course of her first year as Batwoman, uh, and, and the lessons she's learned, how how they interact with one another, and if he goes back to crime fighting himself. I think that it's a season five arc, mm. and I say that because, again, there is something about this show where it's able to feel very reminiscent of Batman without fe- feeling like a copycat. Mm-hmm, without mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, I'm just going to take this one character who's normally a man and put a female in it who happens yeah. to be a lesbian. Yeah. yeah, sure, there's a twist, but it's just going to feel redundant. We have the movies. Yeah. And, and I really, I honestly feel as if they jumped the gun on Superman on Supergirl. Mm. So, and they th- waited, I think season two is when we first got Clark at the end, but right. I could be wrong about that. And And it's not like, that character overshadows Supergirl. It just still fe- felt too soon. It felt, especially yeah. because the season part of one of the mystery threads is what what happened to Bruce Wayne and why did he leave? And we found that out yeah. already. So I agree that at some point, part of the arc of this show is reuniting Bruce Wayne with Kate. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see it this early in the series. Right, right. I agree. I agree. And and, and you know, and I, and, I, and I can't help but think of Titans and and how they handle. Awesome. Yeah, no, I was to <laughs> say how they handle how they handle introducing Bruce and Batman and, and Titans. And you know, I think it's. I won't say it was a good introduction i mean but it was better than like you said supergirl bringing on superman because they had basically made to, to borrow john campia's uh super 
you know, he calls him Jobber Superman. <laughs> I mean, but 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 at the same time, with Supergirl, I mean, she actually is stronger than Clark in a lot of ways. So, so they so they do somewhat hold some fidelity to the comics as far as how they they utilize the character on, on that show. So, but I digress. Oh, yeah. I I just I think it was too soon. I think they yeah. jumped shark on it. Yeah, but yeah. But uh, but yeah, you know. But getting back to back to this, this episode of Batwoman, it it definitely it definitely moved a, a lot of all those it all those uh, plot points they set up at the beginning of the season that was pretty masterfully uh, brought forward and and again sets up for uh, you know obviously the season's going to end two episodes earlier than it was originally intended to, but. Uh, I think it, they've done a solid job since they've come back from hiatus, these episodes of, you know, moving the ball forward. And I don't feel like we're going, we're you know, going in circles with the, with the story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So on that note, let, let's dive into Supergirl and Oriole yeah. debut. Melissa steps behind the screen and, and directed this episode, which featured yeah. Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. and and I immediately knew, I immediately know that that Will's crush on John Cryer playing <laughs> Lex Luthor is growing with this episode. I I'm kind of mixed about this episode, okay, because it felt so reminiscent of an episode last season mm-hmm. where we find out Lex was really what was going on the whole time and mm-hmm. leading up to him and the and the red star or what we yeah. have uh, uh, oh gosh it'll come to me but i know who you're talking about it was the soviet version of supergirl yeah, yeah yeah and and so there was this whole episode and i just remember this one scene of him walking through the jail cell and and finishing all of the different games of chess yeah. This episode also featured a game of chess. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. It did. It did. So, so as I, it, it's not a bad episode. It just felt so beat for beat what happened in that one last season that I wasn't, I wasn't blown away. And I also, and this is nothing against Melissa. I also don't, really see that she brought anything different by to the show by stepping behind the camera. Yeah. Um, I think she, you know, for her freshman outing, I, I thought it was a very solid, um, debut. I, uh, it, it was, it was, you know, she, she was given the unenviable task of, uh, for her first episode of directing one that had a lot of exposition. Yeah. Because it's all about Lex, and he loves to talk. He loves to talk. So, so given that she had to deal with that piece of it, I think, and I completely agree with you that in a lot of cases, this episode did feel repetitive of things we've seen before with this character, mm-hmm. uh, and for season four. But where I think Melissa did a solid job of bringing something new to it was Lex's interactions with with uh, his mother. Mm-hmm. And basically helping frame, reframe Lex's motivations. Cause all, and we all know he, the two things he ha- has 
always as his drivers, world domination and his hatred of, of Kryptonians. So one of the things that I think Melissa did and, and, and John Pryor and his and the actress and, and playing his mother, what she really got brought out well in this episode was teaching Lex patience. Because that was the difference between the Lex of old and the Lex that post-crisis is learning that lesson of patience and, and, and being able to execute his, his plan. And, and, and we, and so, yes, we saw built, we saw a lot of flashbacks and stuff, but then as we move forward and how he was able to recruit Miss Tessmacher, uh, from the, you know, being a Leviathan agent and, and, engaging her to um, you know, gain her trust and her affection and then use that to get her to, as we find out, the reason why Jeremiah dies is because he, she poisons him. Um, you know, those are... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you. It just, it just felt so forced and it like, did. oh, yeah, we're just going to throw this in here too. And I'm thinking to myself, Okay. All right. Yeah, it did. I mean, but I think part of it get you know, and we talked about this before. Unfortunately, I think scheduling definitely throws a lot of throws this off me. This show was going for what a month, so I have forgotten some of the some of the story elements that were that were in the episode, the last episode prior to the break. So, uh, I mean, not obviously not Jeremiah's death, but. Uh, but I think again, it just it does it mess up the flow of the pacing and stuff because you know, we had such a long, long break uh, in the last episode. So, but I mean, I, you know, but it's, so yeah, I mean, I you know, it did seem a bit forced, but it you know, but at least now we got an answer for why it happened, and it, and, it, and it goes into the much bigger goals of Lex to to basically, uh, basically get rid of Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think part of the reason that this episode fell apart for me is that the opening sequence where they arrive at the scene and and Lex has blood on his hands and everyone is calling him a hero. There was something so noir about it, which for a moment I thought, okay, are they gonna go through? this chain of events in a very spy novel kind of way or or a, a who done it and kind of just lex like as if he's writing in Kate's journal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about things. I I so I thought it was gonna veer that way. And when it didn't and it stuck to that previous structure they used last season, I was kind of let down a little bit because there was just something about that those first few minutes where I really thought it was a good setup for them to do the twist on it in that manner and and it it very much was um you know scheduling I wouldn't blame this episode on scheduling or suffering from it because in a way it had if I had seen this right after the most recent episode, trust me, I would have a lot more rants um, <laughs> because majority of this episode revisits the last set of episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> beat for beat. Yeah. So thank God we had a break if they were planning on that. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah, 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 again, yeah. I mean, again, it didn't, you're right. I mean, it, it, it was the the sum of the, re, the sum of the, the similar beats overwhelm the the any new things we may have learned in this in this episode because you know again like for example here we uh, the 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 beats of lena and kara's fallout and it was, it was here again and you know and that and i you know it was to the point you, earlier in the season that it, it drove us away from the show for a while because we just felt like they were going in circles with that mm-hmm. and and so here it repeated itself. I know they tried to like put a new spin on it where Lex was concerned that by Lena apologizing to Kara and offering sympathy for the death of Jeremiah, uh, he was worried that their friendship was going to come back together, even though that bridge has been pretty, pretty much burned to the point where it probably may not happen. But, um, but but again, we were like, okay, we're revisiting this again. And I thought we had got past that, and so they kept bringing those kind of things back up. So so there, you know, so there was yeah, there was that piece that was like, okay, we've we've been here before. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> oh, we did. Um, I do appreciate how they ended it, though. Because as you were saying before, a lot of this was also talked about the flaw of Lex Luthor, who wants it all and wants it quickly, and he wants it now. He he doesn't he lacks patience, and he also overthinks. The more time he's spent um, putting things in motion, he doesn't really have the patience to watch it all play out. And so, even though he probably shouldn't have, and this may be the downfall of his overall plan. But he finds himself in the fortress of solitude at yep. the very end of this episode. Yep, yep, he does, and that uh, that was uh, finds himself there, and I let's see, I, I let's see, I hope. I know he sent the sun creature out and stuff, um, and you know, Kara is able to you know save the day with. Uh, with that, but uh, you know, I, I, I guess you know to your earlier point, we saw the blood on their hands, of Flex, and I was really hoping that he was going to you know, frame Kara, uh, and make it seem like she was the one behind that. Maybe that you know, maybe with him being in the fortress and and learning some of his secrets, um, yeah, he will you know find a way to. Because to continue his make her the bad guy, so he can continue his his version of being a hero in in this new Earth Prime. Because that's you know that's how the world sees him now. So uh, it, maybe that's you know that's the next step in his and his goal to to bring her down. Is mm-hmm. and so so you know we'll see what happens since he's since he's he has discovered the fortress. Yeah. Yeah. We will, we will certainly see. And on that note, let's head to central city where we have some speedsters and 
a whole slew of self-doubting. Uh, so, yeah. So I felt like this episode to me felt like the, the, the poor man's version of therapy patrol. <laughs> oh, the poor, poor, poor man's version <laughs> of that episode. Cause that episode was a brilliant one. Exactly. 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 This. Yeah. This, you know, it, it, it was, it, I was, I was on board and then there's this moment and between Nash and Barry, which is an excellent scene, very well acted, very well written. But then they follow it up with another moment between, um, I don't even remember who was after that, but there were um, Camille and Cisco. Yeah. And then and that, another that moment that. right after yep. <laughs> with Iris. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, wait a second, we're seeing the same conversation play out three times literally no breaks in between them and it's really the same thing the same conversation and so it dilutes everything that happened between nash and barry yep yeah i mean pot five percent of that thanks oprah (laughs) oh my god i'm so that that part really the moment they started doing that i just i fell completely out of this episode and i'm like it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, and especially given that it's the you know ends up being the penultimate episode. Uh, and I and let me just let me just maybe just start off by my first my first rant, and it, it's the how they're using Godspeed because again I was hope you know I, I I should just give up any hope and like them actually using this character as nothing more than a visual effects MacGuffin <laughs> because they it's just you know we only really the last 10 minutes we finally got some you know speedster on speedster action and and they crossed the streams and it defeated him and stuff but I, I, you know, and they did they did tease that maybe there is the actual actual Godspeed who is behind all this or, or maybe a thought I don't know but I just feel like if you're going to bring, and I know they're trying to avoid the the speedster villains because that was you know the first three seasons, but if you're going to bring a speedster onto the show, then 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 use them more than just a, a visual decoy. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just and it, and they and they really wasted BD Wong's voice talents and and just as well. So it's just like we we had a few minutes of high speed action and then just a lot of just like as i said uh you know moments on the couch yeah yeah i actually you know again talking to you will i always get so confused about when the final episode is going to air because i thought this was the final episode <laughs> <laughs> no. thank god no because it, it would have been a real bad one to go out off on but uh, next week is the well, finale yeah. the weird thing is I could make an argument that I actually think that this is a way to conclude the season because it is pretty risky and pretty um, strong of them to have the Iris mirror verse not be resolved at the end of the season. I don't think it's going to be. Well, yeah, I don't, I hope not. It shouldn't. It really, they shouldn't. Hopefully they don't do any weird thing. 
that kind of forces it to be resolved when it really shouldn't have been. And, and, and really how they ended this episode and the speech felt very, all right, we got our butt kicked this season. Batwoman writers are a lot stronger than us. We need to take some time and come back next year and really deliver a solid season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it wasn't that, I mean, it wasn't that it was a bad episode. I mean, it was just, it just, just yeah it just didn't carry anything forward and and it really wasted a a a very i mean pod piper has been one of those villain villains friends villains on the show that anytime andy's on the show he it's like bring him back more because he, he he brings it every time and he's a very good you know the first time we saw him he was a fun villain you know the banter between cisco and piper is always on point and but then it gets all bogged down in, in, in the fields and the repetitive fields. And, and like I said, he had to deliver the best line of the show. Thanks, Oprah. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you utilize your, your folks more and, yeah. and then and utilize your guests more and utilize your villains better because mm-hmm. that's, it's, yeah, it's just it was just very frustrating to watch that episode. And as soon as I watched it, as soon as it got done, I was like, first thing I'm gonna say when we record tonight is this is a poor, poor man's version of Therapy Patrol, which was so much better when you wanted to get if you wanted to get into going through episodes of television. Yeah. 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 And so folks, if you really want to see how this type of episode is done well. Go check out Doom Patrol season one. I think it was episode five or six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how you do this kind of episode. This was just just a waste of a waste of real estate. And I'm still trying to figure out where the angle of the air going with Caitlin and and and, and Ralph and their relationship. I mean, it seems. I mean, he's her life coach. I mean, I know there's no romantic thing there, but it's just they have somehow. You know, they, you know, this show is really big on pairings, and so this season they are the, the folks who are, are who are paired off to do whatever story that they're they're trying to do with with with, with Frost. Well, well, don't forget Ralph. He, the this show does a lot with pairings, so much that they introduce his quote unquote love of his life, and they have this mini arc with him. But now in this episode, he's all about comforting um, Killer Frost, <laughs> which yeah. which makes me think he has a secret crush on that meta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what that's that's yeah, it, that's I had that kind of thought too. I was just like, you know, even though I know they say they're not trying to like pair these ship these two, it's like it's just like the subtext of shipping. <laughs> subtext of shipping. Clearly, I have rubbed off on Will. Would <laughs> 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 invite him. Yeah, it. I, I, I agree. I watched it right before we started recording it tonight, and and I just blah. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. It was a show, and it and it's strange because in one sense. I could be really hard on the show. I think Will's being hard, hard on it enough for the both of us. So it makes me almost want to say, 
well, if you, even if they're utilizing these things wrong, and if you just fast forward through all of the Caitlin and Ralph sexual subtext, (laughs) 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 then, then you got elements. I mean, all of the speeches, the, again, that Nash and Barry moment. That was a great moment. I, I really enjoyed that moment. You're right. I mean, I I don't want to, I don't want to bitch the whole time about the episode because I mean, there were some good, good moments and that was definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was solid and it took me back to a season three moment between those two characters and a season one moment. And I'm like, this is it. You know, Iris and Joe are, are out of the scenes. They're on their own, uh, uh, pass right now. Yeah. And so of course the only other person is, is Nash. Yeah. And, and I really like that. I really, really need to know from the writers. Why the heck would you add in the Cisco moment right after and then the Iris moment right after that? And the, the Camilla the, moment right after. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That is where I'm kind of like, did you submit the script and they told you you needed to add in five more minutes? So yeah. you really wanted to emphasize how all of these characters are are losing the love of their lives and needing mm-hmm. to to um, not fear and doubt themselves. They need to stand up and fight. No, 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 no. I lose the original moment. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it did, it did. One thing that I do hope, and I doubt we'll, I doubt we'll see it this season, but I, I hope, I'm hopeful that we'll we'll get to finally see Atlantis because, you know, it was teased all the way back in season two when, uh, when Barry and Cisco went, uh, over to, to earth, earth two and, and Barry you know, talked to his, to talk to his mother, uh, because they were in Atlantis. And of course, Cisco, uh, in his journeys of the new earth prime this season, you know, went there. So, you know, those, those that was another moment of the episode for me that I was like, oh, oh, uh, please, 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 let's, let's see some, even if it's just a, a quick moment where Cisco go, goes there and gets what he needs to, to, you know, build the artificial speed force or whatever. Um, but, but, you know, again, the, the sum of the episode just, it, 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 yeah, it, we, as we've well chronicled here, I won't spend any more time on that, but, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and and these are cheap shots. We the flash. I, I trust me, listeners. It's not my intention to dissuade Will from his fandom. But no. clearly, a plot by him saying the the shipping subtext. He's been corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everybody knows that. That's you know, I I'm the Flash fan. You know how you were with Arrow. I I am the it, this. I was the Flash. I mean, that's what. Whenever we first started uh, started a show together, we we spent uh, you know a, a whole hour on, on the Flash. And so you know, anybody who's listened to us for some time knows how much I love that show. But and, and it's because of that that whenever they let me down, I just I just have to listen. This is my my opportunity to just like rant about it because it's just like hmm, I don't. It's you know whenever you're disappointed by the things you really enjoy, it it, it it's like 
a doubly like double hit. And so and that's that, how I felt that was it. me during most pretty much all of Arrow season eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I pretty much gave up on. <laughs> I'm not giving up yet. There's a lot. There's a lot to mind there, and and there was a lot of good things that they. I, I will say that they've done post crisis, uh, but this episode was not one of them. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Will M Polk. That's W I L L M P O L K. And you can find me on Twitter at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Find us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>